1: back to earth station trek a show where we trek from the early days on nbc to the future on paramount plus and everywhere in between i'm charles oh. kelso and it's my privilege to introduce the earth station trek crew alan Siler.
2: <laughs> we're gonna have to say welcome back to earth station trek as soon as keith gets here because he's <laughs> gone and trying to get back in but hi
1: veronica daschle <laughs> All right, and we're back. Uh, yeah, Keith's having some technical dis- difficulties, so he'll be on in just a moment. But um, yeah, back tonight to talk about Star Trek. Uh, I'm here excited. He
2: comes here, he is. I'm
3: back. That was weird. All right. Did you guys have any problems? Or was it just me? Nope. Nope, just you. you and Crap. Keith Johnson. Um, I can. I believe I can fly. What? (laughs) That's not the quote, but I couldn't remember it offhand.
1: (laughs) Awesome.
2: I am
3: Keith Johnson and
2: I fly the ship.
3: (laughs) That's it, I fly the ship. Okay, Uh, I could have said we really move our tail for you, and you got to be an old age to know that. I I think
1: it's more meta that you forgot your quote. (laughs) That's perfect. Good point. (laughs) All right. Before we get into this week's episode of Strange New Worlds, Keith, do you have some this week in Trek this week?
3: Yeah, this is interesting. Looking up the history, this all became (laughs) – Wait, wait, um, wait.
1: Wait, wait. hold uh, on one second.
2: Elaine wants to know, did you hear any ringing in your ears, Keith?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Elaine, this is funny. I have had tinnitus for 40 years. Oh, yeah, me too. So – I have a ring in my ears all the time. <laughs> I know, right?
2: And <laughs> yeah, I'm constantly just, missing time and losing memory. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Which is pretty wild. Uh, yeah, the history this week, uh, as I looked it up, it became kind of a meme or a theme with iconic and well-known shows. So this is interesting. Let's jump into this. This is kind of okay. interesting. On the 2nd of July, 1968, was delivered the final draft draft for an episode that somebody on the show thought it was a good deal because they were friends with a super famous lawyer back in the day. You guys may know who that was. He was known as the world's Melvin most famous. Melvin Belly? A- Melvin Belly, the most famous ambulance chaser of the day. <laughs> right. The episode became infamous as some considered the worst episode of all the franchise that was And the Children Shall Lead, <laughs> with Melvin Belly playing Gorgon.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, I see the connection now. I was like, I don't know where this is going.
3: <laughs> yeah, literally one of the worst episodes. I think I, I haven't watched that episode in 20 years. And I tell you how bad a Star Trek episode is. And and that's true, Keith,
2: because going... you watch some Star Trek. And if you haven't yes. watched it. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I just can't do it. <laughs> it's just horrible. And it turns out one of the things I found in the back and behind the scenes stuff is when Melvin Eye showed up, they would ask him things like, OK, you ready? And he would do his lines and they'd say, Melvin, did you... Read the script. He honestly didn't know that he was supposed to run his lines before he got to set. So he didn't come with his script memorized. Yes. (laughs) That may help that he had a horrible, horrible delivery.
1: He Um, didn't have great material, to be fair.
3: This is true. This is true. That is an awful episode. I was listening to another thing that talked about the Gordon, and it's very interesting. He could be considered one of those class of non-corporeal entities. The Star Trek is famous for that live on emotions and so yeah. forth, like the Wolf in the Fold and uh, right. uh, Day of the Dove entities. Sure. So yeah. I thought that was interesting. But that's the only good thing I can say about that episode. Then, <laughs> 20 years later, same date, second of July, 1987, another episode that is famous or infamous for the wrong reason. The TNG episode that was it was really important to me, and when it was done, it was like holy crap the first episode of the show, an entire planet of black people. Oh, Unfortunately, boy. yes, there you go. Alan knows what oh, I'm talking boy. about. Wow. <laughs> Unfortunately, they, became, they they look like some bad characters from Arabian Nights. That is code of honor. <laughs> Dude,
1: this, this is turning into the episodes we wish we could forget. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
3: Can for the please have them re- ringing in my ears now? <laughs> yeah, for those who don't remember, this is the episode where they go down to a planet of basically black people who dress like some kind of caricature of Middle Eastern Arabian folks. They can make a vaccine, <laughs> says the guy who sounds like a Coco, the, uh, what was it, the 7 Up man. Exactly. Um, I thought it was the same dude. Yes. At, and at it, that time. And that's what I thought too, because he has that kind of voice. It comes off as incredibly stereotyped for a whole bunch of different races. And Jonathan Frakes, it's like, it's to Jonathan Frakes what Move Along Home is to Avery Brooks. When you bring it up with Jonathan Frakes, he literally says, that racist piece of S-H-I-T. <laughs> and that's pretty much all he'll say about the episode. Yeah. Another if Then, two years, three years later, 1990, 2nd of July, 1990, now we're getting some good stuff. Another iconic show, though. The final draft was delivered for the Best of Both Worlds, Part okay. 2. Okay. Looking up. Now we're... Yeah, now we cooking. <laughs> That's quite a jump. Yes. <laughs> right. And the interesting thing about this is that we, we discussed recently, people know, is um, there was some real doubt if Patrick Stewart was coming back. It was, he was in the middle of contract negotiations. It was a summer hiatus. And so they had to write some scripts and craft for Picard dying at the hands of the board. The famous Mr. Warfire could have killed Picard. Mm-hmm. They had to decide if that was going to be it or they had to decide how he was going to come back. Right as, as big a problem with Picard, how to handle him, the showrunner said, we painted ourselves into a corner. When they looked at the first episode, they're like, holy crap, we've made the Borg too powerful how do we how do we get out of this right. so you know they did something. at the
2: time i remember mm. at the time them saying and this was in like an interview uh-huh. in Starlog or something them saying right. you know we we wrote part one and we wrote our cliffhanger and then we went away for the summer <laughs> with no idea how we were going to write part two right. and yes. part of that was whatever was going to happen with patrick stewart but they didn't yeah. say that at the time
1: Hmm.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't love the ending where he put him to sleep, but there's some good stuff in there. Um, it's not not my favorite. It's not my favorite scene, but still good. And of course, the board become iconic. And a couple of more, jumping all the way up to uh, nineteen back to nineteen sixty five. Three things again on the eighth of July, nineteen sixty five, was the first draft uh, or the final? Excuse me, the final draft was submitted for the episode where no man has gone before. Okay, and that is where history begins. This is yeah. the introduction of James T. Kirk as Captain Enterprise. Not the first show aired, of course. That was right. unfortunately the Man Trap. So <laughs> this was. <laughs> this, excuse me, I said that wrong. This is the episode that introduced James R. Kirk. I
0: was about to say, is he <laughs> R.
3: Right. Yes and gary mitchell and introduced the whole concept of the galactic barrier Mm -hmm. which still comes on it introduced another concept of people gaining powers and the whole concept of big thing with gene roddenberry was power corrupting and absolute power corrupting absolutely and it also introduced a little bit of spock because this is episode when first episode with spock talks about not feeling emotions that's right because he at one point he basically said just kill gary mitchell and this episode has another can. The fame is it's responsible for our co-host Charles's uh, online <laughs> name.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. For over 20 years. I've been using that for my pen name and screen name and stage <laughs> name.
3: Kelso is dead. And then we're going <laughs> to end it with last two. 1968, the, the first day of filming on another iconic episode. At the time, when they walked in, Leonard Nimoy and Company said they didn't know what they were doing. And when they mm. finished a week later, he was like, holy S-H-I-T. It's Fox Brain. First day of filming.
2: Well, wow. when they walked out of it, they still didn't know what the hell they had done. So
3: Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> right. Nimoy says that show was embarrassing to him. But I tell you what, um, Plato's Stepchildren is more embarrassing to everybody involved. So "Spock's mm. Brain has at least the distinction of becoming so bad it's funny. Morgan Morg, and morgue. what is you know? You're not Morg. You're not I Morg.
1: Yeah, it's not good, but it's fun at least. Absolutely. Well, and the children absolutely. shall lead is not fun. Absolutely. Right.
2: Right. But you know, you everybody will recall that a year or so ago, maybe a little bit more mm. than that, when we did our review of Spock's brain, we all yeah. found good things in the episode. Yeah. It, the 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 basic concept might not be great, and it might not come together very well. But there are individual scenes and things for characters that are really good. Right. I agree. I agree. It's not a, a, you know, totally negative episode.
3: Yeah. And the last one on 8th of July, 1991, another iconic episode, they delivered the final draft for what is one of my personal favorites of the entire TNG. And that is, um, Darmok.
1: Oh, that's a good one. That's yes, a one. That's
3: a great the one. Ab- absolute episode and sacrifice of someone. I love that episode. We all know that's the one where they talk, whether they, they can the race. So it's the children of Par- Parma. Is that the name of the group? The children of the name of the race.
1: Uh, T- Tama. Hey, the Tamari.
3: The there yeah, you go. I, I faded again. Uh, you uh, did. Yeah, I love that episode. Of course, it talks about the difficulties of language, but I love the sacrifice. And what I love about that episode at the very end Riker comes up to Picard when he's brought back an enterprise. He says, new friends, Captain. Picard says, I'm not sure, but at least they're not new enemies. And I think that is awful, awfully cool and profound statement there. Maybe not friends, but not enemies.
1: That's it's a start.
3: Yeah. And that's, that's this right. week in Trek history. Awesome.
1: Well, thank you for that. Uh, If you're listening on the audio podcast, we'll take a quick break right here and promote a fellow ESO Network podcast show. But don't go away because we'll be right back when we'll be discussing the latest episode of Star Trek Strange New Worlds. It was the year
4: of fire.
2: The year of destruction. The year we took back what was ours.
4: It was the year of rebirth.
1: The year of great sadness the year of pain and the year of joy it was a new age it was the end of history
2: it was the year everything changed the year is 2261 the place babylon 5 the podcast is the epsilon 3 right here on the eso network
1: you didn't say spoilers that's the whole spoiler g- there you go
0: <laughs> i was doing the red alert sound obviously that means spoilers
1: okay obviously <laughs> yeah and that's spoilers for star trek strange new worlds among the lotus eaters mm. uh which aired today and yes, there did. was a strange new world
0: i don't i don't understand the title
1: uh it's from the odyssey Yes. Lotus mm-hmm.
0: The lotus eaters. Yeah, the lotus was
1: the food that they were eating that m- made all of his crew like forget that they had
3: responsibilities and stay oh, there. Oh, okay. Yeah,
0: that makes more sense then. Yeah, <laughs> they eating eat any lotus.
3: <laughs> yeah, they're going back to old Star Trek. Uh, Star Trek traditions of using Shakespeare and Greek tragedy mm-hmm. and and mythology. So the, yeah, the lotus eaters were one of the famous people, exactly because they forgot who they were and what their mission was and something yeah. stuff like that.
1: Yeah. We've had a good string of titles. We had the Latin title episode, we had a Shakespeare uh-huh. title episode, and now we've got a mythology title episode. So mm-hmm, yeah. we're on a roll. Right. Yeah. yeah. Next week will be like explosion or something like that. <laughs> 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 <your> Voyager style. <laughs> <laughs> so what do we think? Did anybody anybody like this episode? Not like it?
0: I enjoyed it a lot. Okay. Why? Um it was it was interesting to see how they coped. And what they retained, like, what was their deep inset mm. memories and things that they did regularly and mm. uh, what was just memories.
4: Yeah.
0: I thought that yeah. was really fascinating.
4: Yeah. Mm. yeah.
0: Although... Pike started getting the ringing in his ears when he first went into the castle and blacked out between the castle and the cage. And if he's in the castle, he's supposed to be protected. So they had a continuity error.
1: (laughs) He had just been out there for a long time, though.
0: Still. Once he comes back in, he's supposed to be he's supposed to, like, get better.
1: Well, not instantaneously, though.
0: No, but he, he was in there for a little bit. And then he had the ringing in his ears.
2: I don't know. Are you talking about at the end of the episode? No,
1: she's no, talking about the beginning. the beginning when they first got into the fortress.
3: Oh, oh. I oh. kind of assumed that, like Alan said, uh, Veronica. I kind of like Alan said that it was kind of like blood poisoning. It was building up because they, the um, nurse chapel said they couldn't. They couldn't basically pin down how it would affect people. Like some people got affected instantly, like La'on and others. It took a little while. So I, I was kind of thinking the same thing as he got in there and it started affecting him and then the radiation cut off and then I guess the body uh, healed itself.
0: I don't know, because it feels like if once he got in there, whatever point it had gotten to, it should have dissipated from that point once he Maybe. went in there.
3: Yeah, I mean, that seems like
1: it should. Maybe somebody yeah. probably close the door. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: And everyone else is wearing the helmet, so they were fine. Yeah, that's Okay, <laughs> I'll take that.
3: Okay. There that you go. When they, when they said the helmet protection from radiation, I instantly thought of Magneto and Marvel Comics, where the helmet protects them from Xavier's <laughs> mental problems. Right. Yeah. So, I right. imagine everybody putting a helmet on, or kids playing jokes on each other at school, rip the helmet off, and wait till people forget.
4: <laughs>
3: uh, I thought it was an interesting concept. It is 100% the last thing I expected when I thought he was going back to that planet. I right. did right. not expect this. I expect, yeah, that, I don't know, gladiatorial battle, a cage match, something like that. I didn't expect this at all. Yeah. Um, right. Completely different direction.
1: Yeah. Well, the, the Kalar were quite a bit different than what they were uh, in the cage. Right.
3: Because weren't they it, supposed to have like funky teeth or something?
1: Yeah. The Kalar in the cage had like big funky teeth and he had like a like a Viking sort of outfit on with a club <laughs> and a right. shield. Yeah.
3: Yeah. He looked like he was about seven feet tall and he grunted. Right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and now they've been contaminated by. Uh... Alex, is that his name? Zach. 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 <laughs> I don't know why I had Alex.
2: <laughs> um. Oh, never mind. Go ahead.
3: <laughs> what did you guys think of the episode? I liked it. I'm still, I'm still reeling that that planet was that way. Again, I was looking honestly. It's the thing. I was expecting everybody to be seven feet tall with the teeth and growling. Yeah. So that kind of shocked me a little bit. Um. I got a little hung up on. I'm still trying to figure out how a planet that was that prone how Zach mass-produced phasers, unless when he got captured he had like a hundred phasers on him or something. Right. I right. couldn't. I. But at the same time, but you know, at the same time, they did what Star Trek does, and that's why I think Michael and Alan had talked about on Facebook that this is kind of like old-school Star Trek. It introduced interesting concepts. It made me think. Uh, it made me, of course, go, oh, I don't think it would work that way. But it made me think, like, how in yeah. the heck could a society function if a huge percent of the population were not just slaves, but literally didn't, like, dude, could he find his house unless he looked at his arm? It's like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how that would work. That's so, very
1: TOS, though, I think. Absolutely. And I think that the, the setup where you've got the – the ones in the castle that like the, yeah. the ruling class that remembers right. and you got the field ones that that's very tos too i mean we'd the, the morgan i were Morg were that way in yeah. uh spock's brain you know where you've yeah. got that strict, mm-hmm. you know sort of cast in the society um, right and i i really like that it was just like a star trek adventure and it's a star yeah. trek planet with a moral and you learn about the characters and i also really like that we're going back to rigel seven and it's the planet that we know about where kirk or where pike had You know, the very traumatic landing party mission. I'm not, I'm like Keith. I don't know if I'm 100% on them being the same planet. Yeah. (laughs) You know, right. Because they're playing pretty fast and loose with what we know, what little we know of Rigel 7. Yeah. Uh, Like the the Mm -hmm. fortress didn't look anything like the fortress and, and that sort of thing, you know? Right. Right.
3: Right. I had a problem with that part of it.
1: I want to
2: get. Go ahead. I didn't
0: remember it well enough to compare the two. Yeah. But my vague memory of him running around, it looked like that hall that they were in. To me. Okay. From my very vague memory, which, as you all know, is terrible. (laughs) Well,
3: the outside was the same building they later used for Flint's Flint's uh, Castle, Veronica, Mm -hmm. in uh, Wet for Methuselah. Yeah, I don't
0: remember that.
1: Not if you watch it now.
3: (laughs) Yeah. Good point.
1: Right. <laughs> All right, we got some comments. Yes,
2: Matt Sweatman says I think the moral of the episode was living in the moment and how this encouraged Pike to repair his relationship with Patel. Mm-hmm. And then Michael Phillips has three comments here, and um, I'll talk about that after we get to them. Um, uh-huh. He says his memory was wiped once. Oh, never mind. Sorry, his memory was wiped once he came out, but it was wiped out back to the moment where the shot was cut. That's uh, going back to what Veronica was saying earlier. Um, Since it's from his POV, the cut is where his memory ends. And then about the episode, he says, I was mesmerized by this episode. I loved it. It's exactly what I want from strange new worlds. No more fan nostalgia, Picard season three style. Yeah. yeah th- and on that point, I just want to say that I mm-hmm. really loved this episode and awesome. I understand the, you know, the, the the kind of odd depiction of the people that we think we're going to be seeing when we get to this planet. But here's right. the thing. And, and this is basically what Michael Phillips said. And in, in, when he posted about it earlier today, mm-hmm. um, this is them telling a good story that just happens to fill in a blank or, or expand upon uh, something that we previously knew a, a, a little reference to, but it's not like they're, they're not doing it in a way where it's like, look at us. We're connecting dots for you. Aren't we amazing? <laughs> it's like the, this story could have worked beautifully if it wasn't Rigel seven. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It, it, it didn't rely on that. It's not the same kind of approach as shoehorning Kirk and Khan into an episode, right. this you know, it's not like an excuse to have a, a Kirk episode this season. This gives us more knowledge about what Pike went through on Rigel and kind of has a little follow up to that, so you see a little bit more of it. And you, the other thing that I loved about this is that every character at least got something interesting to do. It wasn't mm-hmm. a true ensemble piece because you've got the story being told in two different places on the planet and on the ship. But everybody got a significant part in the story. Even Uhura, who was the first one on the ship to really start to feel the effects of it, they they give her a significant amount of time to, to see that develop. Um and I thought everybody was used well, and it just felt it just felt really good. It reminded me a lot of Next Generation season one. I can't remember the name of it, but they're on the planet, and um, everything goes wrong. Oh, uh, um, Arsenal of Freedom. Okay, the one where the weapons attack, and it's it's yeah. a single story told both on the ship and on the planet, and every character got significant material. Mm-hmm. So everybody played a part in telling that story. And so for those two reasons, I loved it. I thought it was really well done. I I do have one kind of sticking point about it, but we can talk about that later. (laughs) Well, go ahead with your sticking point. Well, okay. I've got a couple of sticking points. The the big (laughs) one for me, the big one for me is that um, when, when um, Jess Bush's character, whatever the hell her name is. Chapel. Chapel and Chapel is explaining to Una what's going on. She says, "It's an ex- here's an example. I will remember how to do medical stuff because I do medical stuff every day. But complex things, I won't remember how to do. Like I can't perform. I wouldn't be able to f- perform surgery." At the end of the episode, it seems to me like the maneuvers that Ortega's is pulling off. Is the piloting equivalent of surgery? Mm. She's doing complex maneuvers that I don't think we've ever seen her do before. So she—I don't know—it just seemed like that didn't fit with what um, with the explanation that we were given earlier in the episode. Sure, yeah, I,
4: I, I agree. That.
3: I agree. You hear people talk about this all the time, Alan, in real life. You talk you hear athletes and stuff talk about this. They call it muscle memory. Mm -hmm. I sometimes don't know how much I don't know how much muscle memory really works to like you're saying. I mean, there's some things that may be natural. I don't know. And I think we've all seen a billion movies and TV shows about somebody who has amnesia and the person doesn't know who they are. Like they take out a whole room of people because they're a deadly assassin. So somehow those skills remain. But I thought the same thing as you. It was even one thing if she was kind of sort of dodging when she was got really cool with the double phaser barrage and then flipped the ship over. Or that, wow. <laughs> yeah. She's really good.
1: Right. Yeah. Now, to play devil's advocate, though, I mean, Chapel uh, had been studying this for like half an hour at that point.
2: I know. You know? I know.
1: I'm a, I'm aware.
2: But <laughs> yeah. still, you know, it just yeah. seemed like I, I loved the scene where. Okay, first of all, I love that whole sequence at the end with Ortega. Where she is like starts to freak out and she's like, I have got to get out of here because I gotta get somewhere safe. And she walks out of the turbo lift and everybody is just walking around like in a in a daze. I thought that was so creepy and really, really awesome.
3: There's one dude sitting on the floor, literally just sitting on the floor forlorn. He he didn't know what he didn't know what was up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
2: I but love
3: this episode
1: I, a lot. This, this is yeah. the kind of episode I've been I've been asking for for a couple of weeks. Like, I want a planet, I want more Pike in it. We got both those things in this episode. Um, right. We got a, a little more of his relationship with Patel, which I thought was nice. I, I think it's kind of cool for a captain to have a relationship with another starship captain.
3: Yeah. You know. Yeah. Agreed. Me too.
1: And me he do. made a good point. Like you, you get like my situation. You know, it's kind of like Cisco did the same sort of thing when um, Cassidy was a, a civilian captain. Right, you know, with mm-hmm. someone who is sort of at his level and understands his responsibilities and things like that, which I think mm-hmm. is smart. Yeah. Right, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Spe-
3: speaking personally, I actually like it when Star Trek does that because yeah. I mean, we all know this, but Star Trek is famous for having bad, inter- bad relationships and bad uh, parent-child relationships. So I like it when they try. You know, mm-hmm. that's the thing that everybody from Kirk to um, to Picard talks about was. They spent their lives for the ship and the crew, and they didn't have a personal life. So I love it when you have people like Cisco who got married twice, or even Janeway, who when her uh, Voyager started up, remember she was engaged to a guy. So yeah. she was a captain. So I like it when they try because yeah, it's got to be difficult. You talk about people living in New York and LA trying to have a relationship. Imagine you're in a different sector of the galaxy trying to have a relationship,
1: <laughs> right? Is that what the rule is if you're in a different star sector? <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's got to be wild.
1: But it seems like they're having a more like adult relationship, which I which I like. Um, yes. Yeah. And I mean, I, I like that. I like the use of the AR wall in this one. I think mm-hmm. the AR wall planets to me just have a very TOS feel. Just the way like the staging and everything has to be. Yeah. Everything is sort of like like the huts are grouped in the middle and then you've right. got the back it, it, i mean it looks better than like the old cyclorama right. did on on the original series but it right. has this, mm-hmm. like the planets just have that sort of like not quite realistic feel you know
3: yeah i think that's all good like yeah all we lack is the purple sky and that background music you used to hear on a bunch of planets you know that hum or whatever that you just yeah. didn't know where it came from right the occasional wind chime
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah I've got a couple of really interesting comments that I want to get. Okay. Um, and the first one is kind of general. And this comes mm-hmm. from our our buddy Wayne. He says, "Hey Wayne, confession: I haven't seen the episode, but it sounds like Trek is getting its groove back. What mm-hmm. do you think?"
4: Oh yes.
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, I think so too. Yeah, and I mean, I, I I felt that way as well during Star Trek: Picard season three. I think this year yeah. has been yes. pretty strong so far. They're doing Star Trek in very different ways. Right. Um, but I think that they're both telling good Star Trek stories. Um, my preference is for the Strange New Worlds format where they're going to Strange New Worlds. And right. I'm mm-hmm. glad that you know, for it, it the first few weeks were good episodes, but I'm happy to be on a planet again and a landing party and, and dealing with that sort of conundrum. A hundred percent. Yeah. And my buddy Ed Degree says
2: Having experience with amnesia in real life, it's amazing what people wow. can still do despite not being able to remember their name. My ex-wife was able to do her computer programming slash chemistry job, but not remember me. Wow. 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 Right. That is f- really interesting. Yeah, that's intense.
1: It really is. Yeah. And then, would, I'd rather have the opposite. I'd rather forget about my job and remember. I Monica.
2: know.
4: <laughs> if I <had> <laughs> right.
2: And then Matt says the modern take of Captain Pike that he can have a relationship while still doing his duty goes along with his relationship with the crew. Could you imagine Kirk cooking for the crew?
1: I don't know. Kirk Kirk took his crew to like strip clubs and stuff. So (laughs) he he was a man of the people as well, you know? Man of the people.
3: (laughs) That's true. That's true. That's so funny. Strip clubs. <laughs>
0: That's basically
3: what it was. Yeah, we know uh, Rocker would because Rocker cooked those. Um, what what do you call them omelets or scrambled eggs? Oh so, lord.
1: Yeah.
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Now th- this this one was a good one. I I, liked that, I liked, like I like like Veronica mentioned earlier the the idea that you know the things that are sort of innate to you remain. Yeah. And so the people on the planet trust their trust feelings. You know, you still feel yeah. losses. And I thought it was interesting that the the main guy was it luck or Lux L U Q. But, um, Oh yeah. Luke, Luke, there we go.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but I, 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 I liked his whole storyline where he was like, I know I have loss. I don't know. I don't want to know what it is. I know yeah. that was really you know? compelling. I thought. Yeah.
3: Yeah. We've all been there. I think too, where sometimes we don't want to deal with whatever that pain is, you know, whether yeah. it's the pain of your personal, something with you personally, or it's that happened to somebody in you. Um, get real personal. as you, Some people know I had some really, really bad health problems last year. I literally almost died and I was just walking around the house the other day and I thought about it, just mm. thought about it and this just spasm went across my face. My wife said, what is wrong with you? The memory came back and it was just, mm. like, oh my God. And so I get, and I heard a lady one time say something very interesting. As an author I was reading and she said, there have been times in my life where I was so chronically depressed that I said, I wish I could not, not die I wish I could turn myself off like a computer for a while yeah, and turn myself back on. And I think we've all probably felt that. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting too. Um, like you're saying, Charles, when he was talking to Lucas, don't you want your memories back? And Luke's like, no, no, no. I, it, it's got to be painful because he's got to know he's lost people. Yeah. And I did. But, that was very powerful.
2: But then when he got it back, he yeah, said, gonna say, yeah. thank you for yes. bringing this back to me. Yeah.
0: Cause then he has mm-hmm. all the good memories as well. Mm-hmm. Of yeah, his kid and his wife. So that I mean, he, he didn't had have that more.
2: right, and he had that pain that he was still feeling. But at mm-hmm. least when the memories return, he has a context for it. Yeah, right. Yeah,
3: wow. that was. Yes. I thought
2: that was just good writing. I just thought that was. Yeah, good.
3: absolutely. It's like when someone dies, and you tell people. You know, when someone loses a loved one, you tell people not that they'll get over it, but that like when I when I know someone when someone dies, I tell them because both of my parents are dead, and are the people who raised me, and I will tell them. I'm never going to say it gets better. But I say there will come a day when you can think about your loved one and you can laugh instead of cry. Yeah. And then some days you will. Mm -hmm. There are days my dad was a huge Western fan. We watched Westerns all the time. I watch Westerns almost every day. And there are sometimes I look at a Western. He's looking to pull that gun. Dad, I would love that. And then the next day I'm laughing. And so I thought that was so cool. It also reminded me of of a line that kind of sort of gets made fun of sometimes that reminds me of Captain Kirk in the Star Trek movie um, with um, your guy, Charles Spock's brother. Cyborg. Right? Cyborg. Remember what he was trying to do? He was trying to take people's pain. Mm-hmm. And Kirk literally said, I need my pain. That's mm-hmm. become kind of a joking meme, but I thought it was a powerful statement. It's like, no, it don't take my pain. It, yeah. it is what I am. It makes me yeah. who I am.
2: Absolutely. I've never heard anybody joke about that line.
3: Oh, it, For some people it's because of how he said it. Yeah, I hear online a lot of people go, "I need my pain. I need my pain." Yeah, some people joke, oh, but well, I didn't okay. think it was a yeah, I didn't think it was a joke. I thought it was a very powerful <laughs> statement from him. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Couple of comments. Michael cool. Phillips says, "Some of this hey, episode Michael. also reminded me of that DS9 episode where everyone had aphasia, but this was much better."
4: Mm, yeah, I, see. I
1: I like Babel though. That's a good one.
2: Yeah. 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 He then says There was also a bit of that rogue captain trope from TOS season two, but it never occurred to me until after this episode was over. It was, it was well done. Mm -hmm. Um, That's one of my favorite moments when Pike doesn't have his memories. All Mm -hmm. he knows is there's a guy in front of him laughing. And telling him that the stuff that he just heard out in there about regaining your memory is a myth. And he just punches the living snot out of the guy. And yeah. you don't know that he's going to stop. And then he pulls a phaser. And you're you're in that moment where you're like, he could yes. kill this dude. Yeah. Yeah. Luckily, he got a ringing in his ear right at that moment. And mm-hmm. he like recentered himself and, and knew who he was and what he was about to do. But he was at that point where, mm-hmm. and it wasn't like a malicious thing. Mm-mm. Yeah, it he wasn't
0: attracting was the crew that he knew. Yeah, right.
3: Yeah.
2: I, that, I, I
3: thought that was a fascinating moment. Mm-hmm. That scene, Alan, talk about TOS. That scene definitely reminded me of Kirk because yeah. that was Kirk all the time, having to go to the edge. You know, that edge of vengeance, wanting to kill somebody, spectre with the gun, arena, wanting to kill somebody, and pulling himself back. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that's what Pike did there, because he has someone he really cares for dying. You're right. And that little weasel is laughing. It also yeah. reminded me of Benjamin Sisko, because Cisco, I think, was a, kind of a throwback captain, too. I mean, he was the guy that like, was destroying whole planetary environments to get after <laughs> one Maquis dude. So yeah. I thought and I also thought that was very interesting because Pike, by um, Anson Mount's own words, Pike is a guy who leads with his heart. And you also see that there can be good and bad when leading with your heart because mm. the, the very passion that makes him a good and caring captain will mm-hmm. show, you know, the other side, that fierceness. Um, yeah. You're right. If he didn't get his memory
0: back, he might have blasted that guy. I'm not sure. Oh, I think he would have. Yeah.
3: <laughs> and that's
1: very old school sci-fi, too, of the planet yes. that shows you your inner nature. Yeah. Um, like TOS did the sort of thing with uh, the Enemy Within or very Twilight zone yes. you know. Right. Um, right. But I think that I, I think that's great. Absolutely,
2: I do too. I, I just this whole thing felt to me like a modern version of a classic sci-fi episode. Like it was, yeah. like it was an original series episode, but being written and and shot today, it yeah. just had that classic feel to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Few things. A degree says many chronically depressed people don't actually have a desire to kill themselves, but they are not upset about dying. Incidentally. Yeah. I, I, I went through yeah. a period in my life where I was um, I shouldn't say clinically depressed because I wasn't diagnosed with anything, but I was mm. really bad off and I, I was never suicidal. But I did kind of want to not wake up yeah. the next uh-huh. yeah, morning. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely so, I, I, yeah, I, I totally connect with that. And then he says DS9. Yes. Good connection. Mm-hmm. There are no bad DS9 connections, right?
3: <laughs> there is also in uh, the Next Generation episode of Sam of the I think it was called Conundrum. Mm-hmm. It, it oh, was yeah. the one where the, uh, the the new first officer showed up out of nowhere and everybody <laughs> <What>? forgot <laughs> who they were, but they all had the skills like Worf was aggressive and took over the Enterprise immediately, and yep. Card was still thoughtful and diplomatic. Roe was still passionate. That, that was another great episode. Riker and yeah. Troy had, they felt they kind of what he was saying. They felt the emotions for each other, but yeah. they didn't have a memory of each other, but there was, they had an attraction. That's what uh, Luke was saying there.
2: Right. Um, I, I want to follow up on, um, Ed's comment by, he says protection feelings are very biologically ingrained. Mm. This is true. Exactly. Yeah. um, Matt Sweatman says, "I was not impressed with Zach. How did he end up on the Enterprise in the first
1: place? He felt more like a lower Decks character. And I I wish he was a yeoman. He was right. Uh, That's right. He was a lower Decks character. Yeah, and he was Pike's yeoman that was mentioned in the cage because that's where Yeoman Colt came from. Because Pike's yeoman died on uh, Rigel Seven. Oh,
3: good one. And that's this guy." I, completely I, I had not
1: remembered that. that either. I'm glad yeah. you mentioned that because
2: at the end of the episode, you're like, "Well, d- did they take him back on the Enterprise or not?" But I guess not because he dies on Rigel.
1: Well, they they thought he died on Rigel in, oh, oh, in the oh,
2: I Yeah, I see what you mean. I see what you're saying yeah. now. Okay. Yeah,
3: but Matt, I, I I was thinking about that too because he's a he's kind of diminutive in terms of stature, and he doesn't come off as fierce. That's why I even call him a little weasel. And we know that this planet, no matter what else it is, seems like a planet like the one from Friday's Child. Where they seem, I would think they they uh value warriors and powerful people. But if he whipped out a couple of them phasers he seemed to have, maybe that's what I right. took. Yeah. Right. Know? Exactly.
1: Exactly. When he when he pulled his robes open and he had the red shirt and the badge, and it made uh, me think of that lower not de- uh, that prodigy episode where Ensign Garovic had wound up on that planet. And mm. shifted yeah. the whole course of their society. You know, like mm-hmm. they got to yeah. get a hold of the red shirts. They're they're messing up planets all over, right?
3: <laughs> Captain and it, Tracy, it, it... sorry go ahead, Alan. No, I was gonna say Cap- Captain Tracy took over a whole bunch of uh, mm-hmm. warrior people with a cup with some phasers too. So yeah, he himself was not impressive, but I guess with all those dang phasers, maybe that's all. I guess maybe somebody said, "Little man, I'll kill you," and he disintegrated them, and they're like, "Damn, maybe yeah. right." Or
1: they... They could have seen him appear or something, you know, like yeah. Because you'd think once he's passed the phasers out to these guys, like, <laughs> yes exactly.
2: You know. So they he turned to, on him. <laughs> he had to establish himself firmly enough before he did right. that. Yeah, yeah.
1: And so also just, Pike, when Pike said he wasn't exactly, account, you know, accounting for the gear as they were evacuing like right. I think, think, think like, you, are like you're understating it a little bit there, but
3: yes. <laughs> <laughs> because again, I cannot see that they could have manufactured those phasers on that planet. That yeah. planet's like early middle ages. Mm-hmm. So you're right; they left the, like they left the whole shuttle full of weapons lying around. I, I, could, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, like maybe
1: if they left like a replicator behind, and you yeah. could buy like they could replicate things. But right. yeah, I don't see how they're manufacturing these things. They've they've got to be. I don't know. I would think they've got to be left behind. Right, <laughs> they would have to be. It seems. Yeah. Um
2: Michael Phillips wants to remind us of the sexy shield move with the plate. Mm-hmm. Dude, I oh, love that. Was that was
3: cool. That was cool. That was one <laughs> that of the scenes so they showed. <laughs> Yes. That was one of the scenes they kept showing in the trailers for the yeah. season as well. And I kept yeah. wondering when that was going to show up. Yeah. And there it was.
1: Yeah, if your captain's deflecting phaser bolts with a with a plate, you're gonna put it in the trailer. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly.
2: Matt Sweatman says Enterprise yeomen have a higher standard than Zach. Okay, and and to be fair, we never did get to see Zach with the the blonde beehive hairstyle. So you know <laughs> how how could, how good a yeoman could he possibly have
1: been, <laughs> right? He he might have been good at his job, you know. I mean, yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, you know, he wouldn't be the, the first person that started to go all Colonel Kurtz on a planet.
3: <laughs> good point. Well, Matt and Matt, to your point about that, I think it's very interesting because you remember again what the whole theme of this episode was at the end, and I think there's truth to this. Zach was saying that society and then that weird radiation made him do it, but then Pike Billy Space said, "Nah, this is you. You know, this yeah. is you know, yeah. this is you. You you basically you let the other side come out, and that's that whole question again. Again, I'm going back to the Omega Glory with uh, the original series of Captain Tracy. Where I remember at one point McCoy was arguing about what Captain Tracy has done, and he said he just lost his ship. He found himself as the only defense against a group of peaceful people who'd taken him in, and Spock said." Regulations are harsh, but the regulations are what they are. you yeah. can't excuse Captain Tracy's behavior because he was depressed, lonely, and about to die. And I All think right. I love that when Pike told Zach, I was like, no, dude, this is you. This is who you were. This is mm. what you let that turn you into.
2: Yeah. Wayne says, I spent a great deal of my life dealing with depression. I can understand what you experienced, Alan. Mm. This is yeah. really turned into a <laughs> <laughs> confessional therapy session kind of well, it's, a, it's
1: episode. Episode
3: with heavy, heavy
1: thoughts in it you know exactly. It, really did. exactly it really
3: did um and speaking of heavy thoughts i um i've, I've saw i've seen a lot of people not in our group but a lot of people saying they don't like the doctor Mabinga, whatever this is yeah i am intrigued by what is going on with this past because think about this what he himself said you outfit a landing party not with the doctor because he's a doctor but also because he can kick ass Yep. Yes. He literally said that what dark doesn't want to be chosen because he can fight.
2: <laughs> I gotta yeah. say, I'm finding him far more compelling this year than yeah. last year yeah. when they spent yes. the entire season with him like worrying about his daughter and then just shipping her off with a you know sentient yeah. supernova or whatever that yeah. nonsense was. <laughs> right. Yeah, I like Mbenga
1: a lot a lot more this year so far.
3: Yeah, although, yeah too. I am although
2: I am I very wish curious. he could talk
1: in something other than a whisper.
2: I right, cool, say that. Man. He's cool, man. <laughs> cool. <laughs> he can pull it off. <laughs> I guess. Um, Ed degree says, Conquistadors defeated nations because of having guns and fear as a powerful tool. Mm-hmm. Trek loves to give us, come on, moments. Like, where did all those phasers come from? Nick, um, and disease you know, too. You, Let's not forget you,
3: disease.
2: Right. Sorry. And when you're talking about Zach not being impressive, neither mm-hmm. was fucking Hitler. Yeah. You know, yeah. but look what he was able to pull off.
1: Yeah. So yeah. it's like Charlie Manson. Like you just it's is it yeah. about getting the followers, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Um Michael Phillips loves Dr. Mbinga. Awesome.
2: And Matt Switman says one of the strengths of this show is its emotional intelligence. It really works as a form of therapy.
1: Hmm. Okay. I love that sentiment. Yeah, absolutely. And that's one thing I love about Star Trek in general is that it, it could just drop an episode that has like really like thoughtful, interesting things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where you have a conversation like this afterwards, you know? Exactly.
3: Exactly. I think for me personally, I liked it. The reason one of the things I liked about it is I maybe because I'm old school, I prefer Star Trek characters to be more, I guess, more well-rounded. You know, it's well known that Gene Roddenberry had felt by Picard's time that humans would literally have changed that didn't have all these fierce emotions. I like it much more when you see someone like Pike, who's always cool and calm, but you see that other side in him and the Mavinga, the same thing with him. I also find it interesting that La'on, I was indifferent with her in the first season. Cause I thought she was going to become kind of a stereotype, you know, the stoic, yeah. whatever. I am loving that character and that actress.
4: Mm-hmm. And awesome. It's like,
3: they did a slight tweak and sh- I like her. She's much yeah. more well-rounded now. It's amazing.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. Well, that's what they, you should do as shows go along.
3: Yeah. Yeah
1: find the elements of the performance that are working and build on upon those things, you know? Right. Right. Um, Yeah. I I liked her a lot this, this, this week. Yeah.
2: Me too.
3: I have a question um, real quick. Does it, I guess it makes sense, but I just always wonder. So they had this battle on the planet that lasted four hours when, when Pike was there. Is the idea and the thought that you don't come back, like even to retrieve the bodies of the dead, because he said he thought several people died, I guess. Is it because of the prime directive? They just, Assume that the locals would just kill their people and bury them or whatever. I mean, would you not go back and try to get those bodies? Well, the
1: explanation in this episode was that mm. they had to like beeline it for the Vega colony because right. Spock was bleeding out. I don't know why. I right. guess the arse the sickbay on the ship was insufficient. I mean, mm-hmm. in the cage they were also going to the Vega colony to tend to the sick and injured. But mm-hmm. in the and that episode, um, like they got pinned in the fortress by one Kalar that attacked them and they had to get out of there because they were injured. But in that episode, it didn't seem like Spock was, was bleeding out in the cage. He had a limp and a bandage, but it didn't <laughs> seem like his, like he wasn't in like the ICU or anything like that. So <laughs> they, well, they're giving us a little bit of a, a different version <laughs> yeah. of what happened right. Ride right. Seven this time. Right. But they but stuck you- with just the three, um, hmm. you know, two people that died plus the yeoman. Yeah.
3: So what mm-hmm. I guess in real life, would they never even send another ship later, even a year later, to try to recover the bodies, or would you just deem it not worth trying to go back and because of I guess contamination and going through that again? Well, it seemed like um
1: like they had trouble with the atmosphere and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So yeah. they were just they were just sending someone by to like take photos from a distance. Yeah.
3: yeah got it. And then they saw that big what's it, the Delta Shield? And they're like, Hey, check mm-hmm. this out. Yeah, that ain't good. (laughs) Yeah, that's not good at all. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody's in trouble.
2: (laughs) Michael Phillips says, speaking of lighter thoughts, what about that cinematography? Absolutely beautiful lighting on that planet. I'm I'm so impressed with the fact that they have the budget Mm -hmm. now that they can do location shooting on
1: other planets. It it just blows (laughs) me away. <laughs> I think they're getting really good results from that AR wall. Yeah. Oh, I because agree. Like it, yeah. it 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 lights the scene as well as yeah. just being a backdrop. So you get all right. the ambient lighting and stuff like that. It was beautiful. You Absolutely. Know, I, I, I thought that planet looked great and like I said before, it felt very Star Trekky because yeah, it doesn't totally. feel like you're just out in the woods somewhere or on location somewhere. You feel like you're on a planet, you know? Yeah. That that AR wall is like the best investment they ever made. Yeah. yeah. For sure.
2: I, I, th- that that sequence where the shuttle is flying to the planet and and lands on the surface was so well done. Yeah, man, yeah, I love it. Are,
1: there are some really good shots flying through the debris field as well. That's true. Yeah, yeah. So
2: okay, awesome. let me just ask a question about pilots. Mm-hmm. We are on the verge. I mean, we have some models now that are self driving cars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do we not be able to have the computer make adjustments? with its computer brain being faster than a human reflex pilot itself through a a minefield.
1: Yeah. Vanny Glenn started a discussion about this in our Facebook group just today. Yes. Oh, did she? Yes. Oh,
2: yeah.
1: But yeah, it does seem like you, you, the the ship would know that the the ship can fly itself out of there. (laughs) Yeah. You know, they have got cars now that like, I mean, they've got self-driving ones too, but they have ones that are out in the, out in the wild that can parallel park themselves. Yes, exactly. You know? Exactly. Yeah. So you think you hit, yes. you hit the, like, escape from asteroid field button, and it would take you out of there. <laughs> right.
0: So I feel like that they've had AI automobiles, and they realized how much of a terrible idea it is, and that's why they have humans piloting the ship.
1: <laughs> but they never drove into Atlanta with a bunch of humans. <laughs>
3: Actually, I agree. And, and in the Facebook posting with Vandy Beth brought that up, it's funny. I put the same thing in my notes, which was, well, you know, in real life centuries, hence they would have the computer do that. But you have to do it because of the show. And I think Michael a- answered that, too. It just makes it more um, it makes it more exciting or more engaging to have a human pilot. Sure. But to what Veronica said in universe, in universe, you could say they have the same aversion to complete AI control mm-hmm. that they have to genetics because yeah. um, M5 anyone. Mm-hmm. um right no mad anyone right no, yeah that, that's true they, they've had enough things with like mm-hmm. i don't know about that even in the tng episode booby trap the one with uh, jordy and leah brahms the computer kept saying it was a 50 50 chance of surviving the trip out of the asteroid field and jordy literally said but a computer can't make up basically for human ingenuity human spirit <laughs> The human desire
2: to live. Uh, well, okay, that's true, but it can make calculations yeah. and course corrections right. faster than a human can.
3: Absolutely. Right.
2: Anyway, I I, it was right. it, it. It's not a thing that bothers me that much. It's just something mm-hmm. that I thought about when she was on, you know, sitting in her room on the floor, make it stop, make it stop, and the computer says, "Would you like to enter a course correction?" And I thought, well, why don't you just tell it navigate through the rocks and don't let them hit us.
1: All right. Right. right, Yeah, you would think it would be able to do that. Yeah,
3: yeah. I, I think in real that's
0: life, not that's not as the cool case. as I am Ortega's and I fly the ship. I, I totally agree <laughs> with over you, over and over again.
2: <laughs> I totally agree with you, and I don't want to take anything away from Melissa Navia, who I thought was phenomenal in this episode, and yes. and that great character moment because we haven't gotten that many good character moments for Ortega's. Mm-hmm. We've had mm-hmm. uh, like some light flyby kind of moments. Yeah. to use pilot terms, but nothing <laughs> substantial. And I'm still waiting for a substantial Ortega's episode. And this was right. more than we've gotten in the past. Yeah. Okay. Bunch of comments. All right. Ed degree says, I think the prime directive is used differently in this series, not as stringent on cultural contamination.
3: Um. To answer that real quickly, I did write in my notes and I had I did have a question about this. This was a throwback. I personally think Pike should have contacted Starfleet before he did what he did. Because if a whole bunch of people get their memories back and they realize what the people in the castle did, they're all dead. Um, <laughs> this is one of those, there used to be the joke about the original series that Kirk's Enterprise didn't have a rear view mirror. You know, he'd kill Vol, he'd get rid of Landrew, and he's like, okay, next planet. And behind <laughs> him, there are jokes like you'll see like nuclear mushroom clouds or something, right? And so I honestly felt that in this case, they had time. Pike should have gone to Starfleet. They should have sent other ships with cultural advisors before they turned off that radiation field, which meant removing the asteroid. Because there's going to be chaos that ensues mm. when all those people get their memories back.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah but they didn't know about Second Contact then.
3: <laughs> that <we know> of.
1: <laughs> but yeah, it, it's something that we heard a lot on the original series, though, was like... The, you know, the prime directive applies to a normally progressing society, and this is not a, or not a naturally progressing society, and this is not a right. naturally progressing society, and that's the excuse that Pike used as well, was that this asteroid is not is is preventing them, essentially, from having a natural natural development.
3: Yeah. And I don't disagree with his solution. I just disagree, disagree with his timing. I think he should have called Starfleet to get some other people out there. Yeah, but um, they might have said no. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Damn, I never thought about that. <laughs> just interesting but say interesting here we go with the Prime directive because the interesting charles because you remember later on in the episode pen pals where the volcano or well, the, the planet was about to blow itself apart because it was based on dilithium that yeah. was natural you could argue this asteroid was natural yeah, but, that was was, it,
1: but tng had a different interpretation i think of the prime directive yeah right. and that's the thing isn't it yeah
3: interesting cowboy mentality versus more strict mentality yeah. and uh, I, I, I like the
1: decision being left with the captain mm-hmm. you know um, yeah. and they are a lot and a lot closer communication now than they used to be. The original series, you could like send a message, and not get a reply for days. Right, or, like last right. week, Laon like Facetimed Kirk on a different ship. <laughs> you know, on her little pot, on her pad. Right. Um. So it seems like they're not at quite a, a, on the frontier as Kirk may have been, but I still like the captain sort of being the decision maker and cleaning mm-hmm. up. You know,
2: Edward is also asking, um, imagining if TOS had had strange new world's level of effects. Yeah. Just think where we would be now. We might actually <laughs> be doing, um, location shooting on other planets. If we had had been at that level, uh, 40, what, however many years, 60 years ago. <laughs> right. Elaine says they are talking right. about the AR wall on the ready room today. Apparently they also show the scenery on the ceiling. Oh, I can't wait to watch that. I'm huh. so behind on ready room and I just, I don't know, yeah. but I will watch this one. If it's uh, got a segment on the AR wall, I'm excited yeah, and, about that.
1: Yeah. Now they also use the different panels to like have the ambient light and have, yeah. you know, the reflections and things like that.
2: She then says, then there wouldn't be a cool storyline for Ortega. So that's obviously a response to some other comment, but I don't know.
1: Probably about the AI drive. Oh, about
2: the, yeah, of course.
4: Yeah, right, um,
2: right. Ed Degree recommends Jack Campbell's Lost Fleet book series, and it addresses high-speed maneuvers being handled by computers due to humans not being able to handle it. But yes, Trek needs the human screen time. Exactly. Yeah, yeah I mean, absolutely. Trek is a human story. Right. right. So, you know, you can quibble about the, science or the technology all you want, but it still comes down to telling human stories. Yeah. Um, Wayne says a lot of testing of automated freeway were going on in Arizona when I was a CDL driver up to 2015. Wow. That's interesting. Okay. And he says, I imagine that was totally off subject. (laughs) Well, it's not though. I mean, no, no, I think that adds, um, Michael, Philip says, well, if you're traveling faster than light, you can't possibly pilot at all anyway. You'd have to be prescient because of, by the time you see something, it's already hit you. Sure. But they also weren't at light speed when they were in the mine f- or the asteroid field. Right. So, full, impulse,
3: yeah, no full impulse is 20 to 25% of the speed of light. Mm-hmm. And they weren't going that fast. Right, Alex? That was like a Star Wars asteroid field.
2: Yeah. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Matt Sweatman says, "I think while Lower Decks has made the idea of a second contact a joke, but the need to revisit these worlds and clean up after our first contact heroes have done their thing seems very important." Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely.
3: Yes. yes. Every now and then, the original series, Kirk would talk about they left like one dude behind. I think in um, um, gosh, Return of the Archons with Landrew. They left Mm. one dude behind. And then later on, he was calling the ship and he was real happy. He's like, hey, we had a fist fight today. And Kirk's like, cool, they're back to normal. Spock's like, oh, great.
2: (laughs) Our friend Bill Lamond is watching and he asks what Ready Room is. Well, that is an after show hosted by Will Wheaton. It's also on Paramount Plus and you can find it. um, The episodes are listed as an extra for every episode of whatever other series they're actually talking about. So yeah, when you go on Paramount Plus to this week's episode of Strange New Worlds, one of the extras is the episode of Ready Room. And I freaking wish that they would just give it its own tab. Just yeah. make it its own thing. Yes. Rather than every episode being a bonus for something yeah. else.
1: Right. And if you don't have Paramount Plus, it's also available for free on YouTube and Facebook. There, you, Yeah, that's true.
2: Okay. Matt Swetman says, it's the discussion companion show hosted oh, by will we <laughs> this is obviously him commenting on facebook in response to bill Lemon's comment right so thanks for chiming in matt um and then michael says they also don't deal with time dilation at sublight speeds
3: yeah i have a response to that real quick because <laughs> i thought about this a little i thought about this a lot <laughs> they don't travel at sublight enough for time dilation to make a big deal they mostly travel at warp and when you're traveling at warp Um, time dilation only comes into play if you travel across the fabric of the universe that's where time dilation comes in warp you travel with the fabric of the universe therefore you don't have time dilation Mm -hmm. so unless they spend months and months and months at sublight the time dilation they experience will be negligible that's why there's not much time dilation that's going on
4: yeah
3: and that's how warp works because you can't travel faster than light normally but space itself can travel faster than light, and the warp actually makes space travel faster than light, and it carries you with it. Therefore, you don't have time dilation. That's why.
2: i tell you, we have gone from mental illness <laughs> to discussing warp theory
1: in, in a single <laughs> show. This is amazing. Yeah. Well, I've got a couple of super nerdy nitpicks real quick. So, Oh, yeah, go sure, for it. let's do it. All right. I wanted to get these in there. So when they show the the photos of the crew who died at Rigel Seven five years ago, and uh-huh. when Zach shows his uniform, it's the current Strange New World's uniform and not the Discovery style uniform or the Cage style uniform. Oh, so you're it's, right. Yeah, I want my Cage uniforms. They're great. Right. Yeah, why not just do the Cage uniform if it's for yes. a photo? I don't see why. Just give us some way a turtleneck. Yes. And then, yep. And then I had one more. Uh, Mm-hmm. Super uh, nerdy nitpick. But now I forgot what it was <laughs> because I got distracted. <laughs> <laughs>
4: uh, okay. He forgot.
2: While you're Grade thinking Asian. of it, Matt Switman uh, says super nerdy nitpick should be a new segment. Yeah, for sure. I, I, love it. I love it. I love it. I could probably do that every week.
3: Yeah. 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 Charles, while you think about it real quick, I had one question I was I was truly confused on. Um, and, uh, also interesting is, um, Ortega's had a log. It's often rare that you have anybody other than the captain get a log, which I thought Mm -hmm. was cool, but I thought she said that the debris field was emitting the radiation from the asteroid breakup, but then they hauled off one asteroid as if that was the radiation source. I think that whole field, I
1: I think the field was causing it, but the, the one that crashed on the planet was causing it on the planet. Yeah. my understanding. Yes. Yes.
3: So what did they drag away? Because uh, she said Spock hid behind a debris field because he thought the debris field blocked the radiation from the planet. But it right. turned out the debris field was the source of the radiation. Right.
2: right. They, they pulled away the one that had crashed onto the planet. And so is the debris field in space doesn't have radiation. It, it does. does. It does. But it doesn't affect the planet. The one oh, that-
3: because Correct. of distance. Oh, yeah. gotcha. Go. Thank you. You're Bam. You're I got it. <laughs> okay, I was I was getting a little I was getting a little um, lost in that. Thank you, thank you. Oh, by the way, that was a really talk about effects. That was a really cool effect with those robo droids, and then they transfer. That you saw the, the ship's yeah. tractor beam come down at a different angle. That yeah. was pretty sweet. I like yeah. that. Yeah, that was good. Think of it, Charles. Not yet. Oh, <laughs> go ahead. Okay.
2: Well, um, let's see. Bill Lamont has found. Ready room on YouTube, which is exciting. Awesome. Awesome. And he loves Earth Station Trek. But before he works in another after show, he needs to watch Strange New Worlds. That is correct. I think you'll enjoy it. It's a phenomenal show.
3: Agree. Mm-hmm. Agree.
2: Okay. I think there was one more somewhere that I missed. Oh, another Ed Degree. um In many books, the Star Trek diplomatic corps has the primary mission of second contact in re- in relation to exploration. Okay. No, that Kirk. makes sense.
3: That would have to make sense. And, you know, if that with a diplomatic corps like that, they honestly they would need an entire staff assigned to Kirk. Seriously, <laughs> just just for Kirk. To uh, Oh,
2: I, I thought <laughs> you meant for <laughs> each they, planet that's contacted.
3: <laughs> well, I mean, they, they, yes. they'd have to have a whole group that's just assigned to James Kirk's missions. Like, what did he do this week? Well, Here we go.
0: In general, it was just
1: by Pike in April. It sounds like he, Kirk's not unusual.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. this is true.
1: Yeah, right. Right. All right. You guys ready to wrap it up? Sure. No, you haven't got your last. I know I lost it. I forgot. I had a ring in my ears and then it was gone.
3: (laughs) You you (laughs) got to put a helmet on. Right.
1: (laughs) All right, Alan, where can people find more of you? Okay.
2: Well, I would suggest going to cosmiccreative.com, K O Z M I C creative.com, and you will find a list of books I've written, books I've published from other authors, and the podcasts that I do, one of which is Modern Musicology, which is a weekly music show that's uh, just done its 76th episode nice. um, with a interview with um a guy called tommy stenson who is best known from the replacements spent some time in soul sonic spent some time in guns and roses and has some solo stuff out um yeah and then i also have doctor who a to z which is a darn good doctor who review uh podcast so go check those things out i would appreciate it
3: how about you keith you can find me on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. Well, Twitter, I don't use it much, especially now. And Facebook, especially the ESO network Facebook groups. And quick shout out to Michael Phyllis. Michael, if you want to talk about time dilation and stuff, relativity theory is a favorite of mine. So hit us up on the Earth Station track and we can talk about that all night long.
2: <laughs> it won't be long. And Keith will be saying you can find me on Facebook and Instagram and thread. <laughs> yes <laughs> or, or blue
1: sky um, yes. I, don't, I don't know which way to go now
3: <laughs> yeah we gotta talk about
1: that too alright and how about you Veronica or how about us
0: <laughs> well,
1: <laughs> and? he's forgotten who you are Veronica he's
0: <laughs> <laughs> forgotten that we do these things together and. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and monkeying around a podcast about the monkeys
1: Yep, and then I remember my other thing <laughs> yes, anybody else that, uh, that Ortega is a pilot and it's not a helmsman
3: anymore when did when did it become pilot? Has um, it ever been pilot before now? They did. They, they keep jumping around because Travis Mayweather was the only person at the at the con mm. in um, Enterprise, and actually so was Tom Paris and Voyager. Yeah, but they, but jump they back and pilots.
1: Forth. Did they ever call them pilots?
3: It seems like
0: they Tom, Tom Paris a pilot at some point.
3: It seems I like think yes, they did. Yeah, okay.
2: all right. I mean, I guess helmsman uh, is the position. Pilot is what you do.
3: Hmm. Maybe. All right.
2: I mean, yeah, but, but,
3: but actually, I, and it's interesting, you made it up. I've always thought that you should really have two on a Starship. You should have the pilot and the helmsman. You should have, you really should have both. Because um, Tagus also fired the phasers while she was getting in. But I guess nobody else knew how to fire the phasers. So I guess that made sense. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Brock, do you have a closing for us this week?
0: I fly the podcast.
3: Hey, there you go.
4: Hey, <laughs> great <First> one. one. <laughs> Love
1: it. That's awesome.
2: All right. Thank you, everybody, for watching and commenting and adding yes. to a really, really fun discussion. This was yeah, a great one. So we'll comments. see you all next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern. Mm-hmm. Don't Take forget. care, everybody. Keep trekking on.
3: <laughs> yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank you for listening to Earth Station Trek. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Give us a positive rating.
0: or by shopping at the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.